Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. This week, we record Blue Rose, a green Ronin RPG, uh, and we do it twice because we have learned a valuable lesson about how many different programs I'm allowed to have open on my computer at once while recording. The answer is the recording program. <laughs> anyway, Blue Rose is a... Uh, sort of vaguely progressive. This is the OGL version of it. This part's getting a little loosey-goosey. I should have wrote this down. John's nodding at me all smug like a Buddha. Like a drunken asshole Buddha. <laughs> oh, you piece of shit. <laughs> it's System Mastery. John, you know, before we get started today, what do you say we do one of those announcement masteries that people love so much? That everyone loves okay. so much. Mm-hmm. This week we're going to be doing uh, Manscaped. <laughs> hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How smooth are your balls? <laughs> Polished to within a micron. <laughs> we're talking marble smooth. Yeah, my balls are carved from such as Eterbium. <laughs> I'm like Statue of David down there. <laughs> Tiny and smooth. Chronoscopically balanced by a team of experts. <laughs> I'm kidding. We didn't do a Manscaped. We're talking about it, but we haven't done it. Yeah. I just want to see how much money they'll give us. I want to know how much Manscaped will give us for this kind of content. But that's uh, that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about Roar to Heaven. Roar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Bloody Roar to Heaven, one of my favorite se- uh, PlayStation fighting era games. Hell yeah. Good to play as that rabbit or that penguin man. Fuck yeah. I, I love playing as that mole. Yeah, you remember the game then? Fuck yeah, I do. Hell that yeah. game was great. That's a series I feel like is due a resurgence. <laughs> anyway, let's also get... that Beetle guy. Oh, dude, don't even give me. We got a real ad to read. I can't spend all day talking about how cool that chameleon was. <laughs> all right, continue. it's Judgment Day, and the armies of heaven have come to Earth. Their Ugh. goal: massacre humanity. Yeah, well, you know, angels are dicks. Yeah, and I'm part of humanity, but I still feel like I might just kind of let that happen. Yeah, most of it, you know, I got some time left. They probably don't mean me. Yeah. Our last line of defense is not soldiers, not warriors, but musicians. Thanks to the heretical technology known as the hymnal battle suits, we can use our songs of joy, love, and violence to defeat the invading angels and protect the world from condemnation. Huh. So you're saying that there's a chord mm-hmm. that we could play to defeat the Lord? <laughs> but you don't really care for music, do you? No, nah, not really. <laughs> Roar to Heaven is a high-octane, actual-play podcast fueled by music and anime nonsense. Inspired by good anime like Evangelion and less good anime like Evangelion. I mean, I'm sorry, like Symphogear, <laughs> Roar to Heaven follows young hymnal pilots as they lay waste to angels and cope with being humanity's only defense against extinction. It's anime-inspired so that they are also mostly moody teenagers. I don't make the rules, folks. Yeah. In order to pay our editor, our transcriber, and our cast, we're raising money through Kickstarter. Backer rewards include physical copies of the game we're playing, uh, Blazing Him, which uses the indie darling Lumen system, uh, chances to name our NPCs, and for some weird-ass reason, washi tape. I don't know what washi tape is, John. Oh, it's, it's tape that has designs on it. Oh, cool. Okay. You can get in on the ground floor and get episodes early, as well as full access to our Session Zero. 
We are a diverse, all-queer cast, and we want to make enough money to get an OST going, and we're going to make the best damn AP you've ever heard by Gumption. Aw, oh, sweet. I love Gumption. <laughs> so that's, once again, that's Roar to Heaven. I'm going to have links up on all the website for the uh, the Kickstarter and so on. I, I would say it online, but of course, it's going to be some long thing, you know, HTTP, double slash, www.kickstarter.com slash project slash Peach Garden Game slash Roar dash two dash heaven. But also, you can find that on our website. We'll also tweet about it. and yeah. Or you could just, you know, go on Kickstarter and search Roar to Heaven. You sure could, absolutely. Uh, but also, the uh, the folks behind Roar to Heaven are aware of what's going on at Kickstarter right now, and I'm sure you are as well. Yeah. They've recently announced... Bitcoin or blockchain. Yeah, they're going to do some blockchain shenanigans, which is wildly unpopular. Yeah. I feel like I just saw a thing where Avril Lavigne announced that she's turning Skater Boy into a movie, and I was like, you know what? I, I was against it until the end of the sentence, and when you said movie and not NFT... Yeah. <laughs> I'm turning Skater Boy into a series of NFTs. Blech, well, blech, blech. So uh, we will also be providing itch.io links for people who would like to not give Kickstarter money at this junction in time. Good. So you can you can support this, this uh, Roar to Heaven AP podcast, which is looking to pay all the people involved, which is amazing. Yeah, because, not like we do. <laughs> well, we pay everyone who's involved in the yeah. show. You and me, it could be ours. <laughs> Yours and mine. <laughs> we don't have editors and transcribers and stuff because uh, we suck. Yeah. <laughs> but once again, that's Roar to Heaven, an anime-inspired podcast where people use the power of, of uh, awesome music to defeat the heretical invading angel armies. Fuck yeah. Super anime. And uh, that sounds awesome to me. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. Super awesome, right? Sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to thank you for uh, for joining us at, for a new announcement mastery there. Again, if you want an announcement mastery of your own, go on down to our website, systemmasterypodcast.com. Click the Give Us Some Money button. 75 bucks buys you an ad. Yep. Just that simple. We get to make fun of it or promote it as we see fit. <laughs> we always promote them. Yep. <laughs> never... So far. <laughs> yeah, roll the dice. Yeah, see if we're not assholes. We can be your angles. <laughs> or your devils. <laughs> and now back to the show. Welcome back to System Mastery. I'm Jeff, that's John, and on this show, we discuss old role-playing games. And we have one right now from sometime in the 2000s. I forget what. I know it's an OGL game, so probably around 2005. In fact, I'm going to say 2005. Good. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you did. Yeah, is it correct? You sure. don't know. why not? <laughs> yeah, of course I know. I don't have to open the book and just hurriedly look for it somewhere <laughs> it's 2005 i remembered halfway through the sentence yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay yeah, yeah yeah green ronin made this game uh we have discussed one other green ronin actually we might have done more than one we might have done mutants and masterminds at some point in the past i don't remember but we definitely did orc the role-playing game which was green ronin mm. so this might be our second or third foray into their works uh this is an ogl so this is the original version of blue rose uh it is it, we didn't know it was going to be ogl no, when I started reading this book, mm -hmm. I did not fully think that it was OGL. There's a little bit at the start where it gives you some information about it, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, you just you know ripped off the D&D &D stats. That's fine. But it wasn't until I got deeper into the actual meat of it that I was like, oh, no, it actually is OGL. You just changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, as far as OGL licensed games go, this one does more uh, work to modify the base mechanics than I think almost any other one that we have read so far. 
Oh yeah, I would say maybe aberrant comes close with its really weird leveling system, but beyond that, this is this is a a, a pretty far cry departure from from generic OGL mechanics. I mean, this game doesn't even have hit points. Nope, they do a lot of work to get <laughs> a system that I feel like I know that it was the time where having OGL meant you actually got attention, and that was a good thing. Oh, mostly it just meant you could be on a shelf. Well, yeah, I mean. Nowadays, when people talk about like, oh yeah, it's some OGL game, everyone's like, ugh, garbage. <laughs> but back then, you're like, oh, it's an OGL game. That's an actual selling point. Yes. Well, it was a selling point to stores. I don't know if anyone ever was super excited to learn that a game was OGL. I mean, were you ever in, in, in the early 2000s when you were role-playing? Were you like, oh, thank God, finally, uh, I, I, oh boy, Mutants and Masterminds has come to the OGL. I mean, I never played any OGL game back then. I played actual D&D, &D, mm -hmm. or I played some absolute trash, like Rifts. <laughs> some Palladium shit, which is, yeah, if you were Palladium or White Wolf, you could exactly. still get shell space, yeah. And even White Wolf hedged their bets and did a bunch of OGL shit. Well, yeah, they had the Sword and Sorcery line that was all their fantasy OGL shit. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's the thing, is I was doing White Wolf, Palladium, and actual D&D &D at that point, and then a few weird like two indie for OGL stuff where I was like, yeah, no, the stuff I played never got into that. And so later on coming back to it, I was like, man, they really just went whole hog on this thing. And I don't know why. It's just so much of it. Yeah. I kind of just skipped that era. I wasn't doing a lot of role playing at the time. I was mostly putting on shiny bowling shirts and going to mighty, mighty boss tone shows. Yeah. Mostly. That was my that was my uh, daily life was was well it's 2003 time to clock out from whatever shitty temp job I have and uh, suit up to go see the cherry popping daddies <laughs> they're still cool they're still cool it's still the late 90s <laughs> it's fine everything's fine <laughs> I can skank I can skank there's still gonna be ska I heard they're working on a fourth wave <laughs> uh but uh yeah so. So Blue Rose, you probably heard of it before. Uh, for a long time, it was a, a a target of a lot of chuddy game types, game talk types on the internet, because it's got a lot of progressive ideals built in or kind of baked into its structure. Yeah. Well, the the generic setting of it is more romantic fantasy, which is mm -hmm. much more focused on you know belonging and family and romance and less about going out and murdering someone and taking their shit. Yeah. And that also means that there was a much more, you know, liberal focus on things. Mm -hmm. And it meant that for some people, it was a darling of a game because they're like, oh, this actually has like four real front and center queer representation. Yeah, it does. And, and then for a lot of other people, they were like, oh, this is bullshit. Uh, get your... Get your politics out of my games. Yeah, because existing wall queer is either is either uh, overly political or overly sexual for a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can't let my kids see a gay person. They'll instantly imagine everything a gay person could do to another gay person. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I will ask them if that five-year-old is their girlfriend. <laughs> oh, why would you ask a gay guy that? That's really that's a stupid thing to ask him. <laughs> Well, I just assume gay also means a pedophile for some reason. <laughs> gay means pedophile and a straight pedophile, but gay otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> They're after our children, Jeff. I know. It's a culture war. <laughs> Believe me, I take it from both sides. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Let me rephrase that. Don't. Actually, let me not rephrase that. <laughs> uh. 
Uh, so, uh, so yeah, it, it, for a while there, this was kind of a, a critical target for the kind of generic assholes that tend to dot the internet and become famous for being assholes. I'm not going to give them any, any of them the benefit of their names being said on our show, but you know exactly who I'm fucking talking about. Yeah, same type of people. Yeah, and uh, it, eventually the company took a, a misstep and it switched from being a a, uh, a darling of the of the progressive set to everyone being mad at them for for defending some chud yeah uh i don't remember the circumstances so i'm not going to get into it but now green ronin is in the shit list <laughs> as opposed to being the good boys again uh, and girls yeah you never retire from the shit list <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly not from phantom limbs uh and in case you are joining us here for the second time on this i just wanted to put jeff on blast real quick I I already I said in the intro what I did wrong. Ah, oh, you didn't tell him it was because you had Final Fantasy fourteen running in the background, like an asshole. <laughs> it was the cue. I didn't think it was going to be a problem, and I'm not going to talk about Final Fantasy fourteen either because the first thing that happened when I posted that busted episode wasn't people saying it was busted. It was people saying you said everything about the ending of Final Fantasy fourteen. You douche. <laughs> Well, you are a douche. I'm putting myself on blast for that. I honestly forgot that people might not be as far ahead in that game as I am. Yeah. That's my fault. I, 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 I honestly apologize. forgot that people give a shit about MMO That's lore. the other thing. Yeah, spoilers <laughs> are something I don't personally care about. That That's not to say that I feel like other people shouldn't. I You can you can have spoiler culture. You're welcome to it. Uh, it it's not a thing that... I, I, who would think that spoilers would be a thing that would bother me? A person who has no functional memory. <laughs> yeah, no. I... I normally am much more sensitive to it, except when it comes to MMOs, because I'm the type of guy that's like, yeah, yeah, you got a box full of quest text? That's great. Anyway, except how many asses of deers do I need to get you? Ten? Great. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Am I, mean, I doing this to, I don't know, save the light from the princess's crystal or some shit? Wonderful. Don't care. Yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen to me, represents a... It's more like a Final Fantasy game than than an MMO it, when you're playing through the, the basic story quest mm -hmm. because the story is really good and you care about the people and they give you NPCs who hang out with you and go on the adventures and so on. It's a lot for me. The only other one I really played for a great deal of time was City of Heroes and World of Warcraft. And World of Warcraft is just like I don't know which horde leader is corrupted this time. Oh no, corruption has affected the uncorrupted people of Corruptopolis. <laughs> I mean the the big issue I have and God. I don't care if we're going to talk about MMOs for a bit. Well, I'm just not going to talk about the ending of Final no, Fantasy that's fine. XIV. But, like, the problem with WoW was always, ah, you've got these NPCs and they're cool. In fact, they're cooler than you. <laughs> they're, you're going to get to the last boss of the last raid, and then one of them is going to show up and go, ha-ha, no me. Yeah. fourteen <laughs> will never do that. <laughs> yeah. No, that was the thing with Guild Wars 2 that I loved, where it's like, Hey, what's the main storyline before any of the like expansions or anything? You have to go kill this elder dragon of undeath. Great. That's not gated behind a raid or anything. You go do it, and that's it. And I'm like, yeah. thank you. No. I don't have to watch as like someone else goes, well, I made the MacGuffin that kills this thing. Keep him busy while I win. Yeah, like by the end of the first set of Final Fantasy XIV stuff, like before there were any expansions, it was more or less well established that you were the ultimate king badass of, of give a shit mountain, and no one could no one could fucking touch you. Even though you have a whole team who's always there, they mostly they spend more time like apologizing that they are constantly making you go do shit. They're just like, well, you got to go save the kobolds of shit town junction. I'm sorry, we would have sent someone else, but you're the only one who can do this because you're the ultimate badass of crowning destiny. <laughs> <laughs> maybe someday Alphano and I will go with you but until next time it's got to be you warrior of light waffles good cookie <laughs>
You're the one. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite thing about Final Fantasy XIV. The naming conventions are so dead on and, and deadly serious where every single species has two different naming conventions based on which type they are. And they're always like, oh, what, what's your name? Merle Vi Blochfischen. Okay, and, and you? Lolorito Jolorito. You know, but what's your character's name? Waffles. No, I was hungry no, when I named No, your full him. name. I, Waffles good cookie. I was I was hungry when I named my character. <laughs> you stole the last name of my cat. I stole the theoretical names of both your cats and assembled them into the ultimate character. You bastard. <laughs> my theoretical cats. If you're so mad, come claim the title back. <laughs> no one's stopping you. PvP me. 1v1 me. <laughs> sure, but my character's max level. Great. <laughs> I'll give you a day to prepare. <laughs> Uh, anyway. Yes, Blue Rose. Blue Rose. Blue Rose, cool game for cool people. We're mm. done. So, in Guild Wars 2... <laughs> sorry. Uh, so the first name you see when you flip open Blue Rose may be familiar to a lot of people because it's Jeremy Crawford, who is currently one of the lead designers, or I don't know what his actual title is, at uh, at 5e for, yes. for Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, but this is back when he was taking advantage of his own... Uh, I, I don't even know how to say this, but he, I know he's he's not famously gay, but but certainly gay. I don't he's, know he's not only merely gay; <laughs> he's really most sincerely gay. <laughs> he's famed far and wide throughout the land <laughs> as a dude who smooches dudes, the dude smoocher, <laughs> as he is known. But yeah, nowadays I mostly associate him with someone who will post just some absolute bullshit shenanigan answer to to a D&D &D question. Well, they'll be like, hey, can my character have twice as many hit points for no reason? And he'll be like, if you can get away with it, that's official errata. <laughs> I don't fucking care. My life's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, Blue Rose has so much in its systems that are forward looking mm -hmm. as far as where D&D &D headed. That I'm like, oh, you can see, like, Jeremy Crawford having some influence over, like, D&D &D later is like, yeah, there's a lot of ideas from this, especially that got put into 4th ed and 5th ed. Like, the skill system, for sure. Yeah, the uh, the wound track feels reminiscent of some stuff from, from later editions. Uh, the increased uh, reliance on not the stat, but the bonus that the stat generates yeah. uh, moved heavily into 4th edition. But this takes it even farther than 4th edition w is, was willing to. In this game, you don't have an 18 strength. You have a 4. Yeah. It's just that simple. You only get the bonuses. The the uh, original raw numbers do not exist in Blue Rose. Yep, which is a great thing to do. It's a neat new change. But that said, we should probably start by talking a little bit about the setting and what's going on in the world and all that, and then get into character creation and, and design. Sure. However you want to do it, actually. What do you want to do, John? I mean, we might as well. John, I'm sure your answer is, I wanted this to be done right the first time and not and not suffer because you had to play as a ninja later that night. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were like, well, I've been sitting in this queue for five hours and I'll be goddamned if I get out of it. <laughs> I want to be able to play for like half an hour before I go to bed. Is that so much to ask? Apparently so, yes. Yes. I need to get a second computer now just so I can record on that one. This, this is my Q laptop. <laughs> uh, not the way you're thinking. Not either of the two ways you might be thinking. Not the third way either. <laughs> it's Q that, where you spell it out. It's not Q like it's John Delancey's laptop and I stole it. It's also it, not the Bond <laughs> laptop. And it's definitely not the one where I think that like, John F. Kennedy Jr. is alive and a Republican now. 
None of those. <laughs> nope, it's for the British spelling of standing in line. The Q-U. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, the World Blue Rose, which I believe is called Aldean or Ald- Aldorzia or something like that. <laughs> ah, yes, Aldorzia. Really hard to get reservations there. <laughs> Well, the, the I think the country that everyone the, the the primary country that the game is set in is Aldis. Yes, but I think the world is also Aldine or something very similar, uh, and it is a world created with a uh, with a cosmology that is correct. Is in like yeah, there actually were these four gods and they came down to the earth and they made everything, and then there are seven more gods and seven bad guy gods that came after them. But the people of different lands interpret those those uh, various beings in various ways and tend to pay lip service to some of them while seriously worshiping other ones. Yeah. It's a neat cosmology. The fact that you have, uh, four greater gods. Cause the main idea being that everyone used to just be a spirit that danced the eternal dance. Mm-hmm. And then four of them decided, Hey, let's go make some stuff. And they made, you know, the world and everything in it. They played Minecraft. And then they invited everyone to their Christian server where there's no swearing. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, (laughs) everyone was like, cool, I'm going to be a bird. And someone else was like, rad, I'm a lion. And they just fucked around and became all the animals and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, oh, what fun to traipse and dance and cavort. Yes, to to frolic through the fields and, and tiptoe through the daisies. And, uh... Then one of the four elder gods uh, got one. jealous and was like, yeah. oh, I, I go crazy by looking into the darkness and it corrupts me and I give birth to the seven deadly sins as gods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so of the four primary spirits that came down and formed the world, uh, they are now known as the twilight gods. And uh, each one of them, they basically take anything you can divide up into four metaphysical concepts and assign it out to each one of them. So you've got, you know, earth, air, fire, water, spring, summer, winter, and fall. Yeah. Uh, all those kinds of and things. And they're also the tarot, so they're cups, staves, swords, and pentacles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's also lead guitar, rhythm guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah. No singer. No singer. It's a, it's a, it's a non- it's like Rush's YYZ phase. <laughs> yeah. I think they just all sing. All of them sing mm-hmm. in the glorious chorus. Well, it's the four Twilight Gods and Phil Collins <laughs> on drums. <laughs> yeah, they, they drums. split up everything into the four things, and then also drums goes to Phil Collins. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. It turns it turns out that they take rhythm guitar, lead guitar, bass, and and standing guitar, and, and then and then and yeah, the drums, and keys, <laughs> keys, and then yeah, Phil Collins on drums and vocals. <laughs> that's why that's why the band was called Genesis. Ta-da! We got there. Hey. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So the thing with this is there isn't, like, because it's a romantic fantasy, Mm -hmm. the god that was corrupted gets uncorrupted, is sorry about doing that. Yeah. And, you know. They rescue uh, him, them from corruption. Yeah. All, All All the Twilight gods have both gender identities. Uh, it exists between them and operate operate in both spaces and favor one of the other at certain times in their their lives. So, for example, the spring one might be known as the harvest maiden, but also the green beard man. Yeah, it's it's all just you know the region that you are at, what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're known as different things uh, because they're just sort of like we are weird elder beings. We can be whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gods that got created in response to the seven deadly sins the seven virtue gods are much more like stable yes they are firm about their genders (laughs) and uh 
then you know you have the there's a god who is uh very canonically gay yeah yeah there's 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 a, a basically a god uh, not they're not gods of being gay and straight but they are generally tended to be the ones who are mentioned by name when when gayness or straightness are concepts that need to be discussed yeah i mean essentially they're the only gods that are in relationships and so they're the ones that everyone looks to yes so you have uh the the god he's the god of like beauty and and lyrics and and music and dance and so on and he is just super gay just uh just top of the line <laughs> top of the line top shelf gay top shelf gay he's not he's none of that barback gay <laughs> he doesn't come in a plastic jug <laughs> unless you really want him none to none of that bottom shelf pop-offs brand homosexuality <laughs> <laughs> that once filtered through charcoal gayness <laughs> bottles clearly the same bottle they put scope in <laughs> uh, no he's patron ah <laughs> uh, yes the johnny walker blue label of queerness <laughs> that's the guy and then there's another one who's the god of like getting married yeah because uh, because obviously the opposite of being gay is getting married well yeah the the thing is it's interesting to me that they <laughs> They have at least one of them is in a relationship with one of the Twilight gods. And I'm like, but the Twilight god is both. So you'd think that would be like, ah, you're in a bisexual relationship because you're just with either and you don't care. Mm -hmm. But no. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that he or he is married specifically to the female aspect of one of the gods something like is that the way that they they make it work although yeah again it's not really about being straight it's about being married and procreative yeah uh is the uh is the idea behind the the uh god of being venerated for straightness uh it, it's not it, the th it's interesting because the book lends a lot of weight to it but ultimately it feels like all the gods kind of have their own sexualities and so on so well, i mean you definitely have one of the gods who's like what do you do oh whatever i want mm -hmm. i'm just not tied down yeah I, I will bang wherever and whenever yeah and one god's like hey it's 2005 so cake memes are still fresh stand aside here comes the ace representation <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's definitely an interesting thing where you're like yeah no they have the spectrum it's just because i guess in the setting they're like oh well we don't have you know greek uh prefixes or whatever for things so instead of being homo or heterosexual uh, yeah, you say you're of a god, so it's like they're yeah, called like Cepheus and Carius or something yeah, like that. You're keeper of the light or uh, follower of the dawn. Yes, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You're the keeper of the of the of the right wing or the follower of the dawn. <laughs> ah, the follower of the dawn. <laughs> <sighs> uh, that's me. A good enough joke to steal from the first time. <laughs> Did we do that one? You know, I have no memory. Of course you don't, but I do, and I remembered it, and it's a good enough joke to do again. Okay, fair enough. Otherwise, I'd try not to repeat myself because there are people who heard the first episode. Oh, yes, of course there are. Yeah. And I'm glad they're back again. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Uh, uh, you can tell that this one's a loosey goosey because I've already forgotten everything. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Uh,. When we first did this, I think we got way deep in the weeds on the cosmology. Yeah. But we ended up saving a lot of the current stuff for later. So let's get into the current world building sure. stuff. Sure. The primary setting of the game is a city is a, a city nation called Aldeen, or Aldus, excuse Aldous. me, uh, which is ruled over by uh, a noble class and a king or queen uh, who 
do not actually have any kind of lineage-based nobility. Yeah, now, because this game wants Aldous to be essentially a utopia, they're like, all right, you. their whole thing is being accepting, so, you know, any gender, sexuality, whatever you want, fine in there. All of the species that exist in this, even the ones that most people consider to be evil, fine, you can live there. Yep. And they're like, we've got free you know, public school, we've got free libraries, we're all about, you know, equality of access, but because it's a, you know, romantic fantasy type thing, they're like, well, we do still need a monarchy and, like, nobles and shit because that's part of the fantasy, Mm -hmm. and the way they get around having that without it just being, ah, we live in a perfect society, also, there are the aristocracy <laughs> is they're like, oh, uh, aristocracy is a thing you can join. Yeah. You can take a test and be a noble. Yeah. And if you're going to be the actual leader of the nation, that is just picked by a magical deer. Yep. The golden heart who emerges from a magic thing. They have a stained glass window, a stained glass window and walks among the nobles and picks one to be the king next time or wherever. Oh yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the, the, the deer's like, nah, none of you, none of you in this room. I gotta go. <laughs> Fuck the, all current, the current queen is a random commoner selected from the street to be the queen. Yeah. Obviously not random selected for qualities that only the golden heart can truly understand. Yes. There the- is also a, Test in addition to taking the the test you have to take to be a noble. That one you can take as often as you want. It's got like a bunch of literacy components and you civic responsibility stuff. Take ethics and morality and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of like, oh, if you were put in this situation, what would you do? Type. I'm trying to apply to Target things. <laughs> if you see someone stealing company time by <laughs> clocking out one minute too early, do you narc or? tattle on them (laughs) or not work here (laughs) you're gonna want to lie on this because this test took you 44 minutes and you're invested now you already had to retype everything that was on your resume that you've already typed out Mm -hmm. because fuck you we don't care Uh, target your your time is valueless (laughs) our time is infinitely valuable yeah uh, so once you make it through and, and yeah, obviously the point of this is, you know, anyone can study up, learn the civics, go to the free colleges, attend the free libraries and become a noble. Uh, one thing that we definitely discussed a lot of in the first time we recorded this is what, what does that do? What's the point? Well, yeah. and, but there is one last test that you have to pass though. Yeah. You have to go to whoever the current ruler is, mm-hmm. the holder of the blue rose scepter. Yep. And, uh, the final thing, if you actually pass all the written stuff is, you go over there and you swear that you are going to uphold all the ideals of Aldous and that you are here to be, you know, a good member of society and you'll do whatever you can to help out. And you have to grab the scepter. And if it glows blue, then it's like, yes, this person is good mm-hmm. and actually has the nation's best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Let him be a noble. If it doesn't, then fuck you, you are not a noble, and you can never try to be a noble because the scepter only works once per person. Yep, yep, you can only try once to get past the scepter. You can take as many tests as you want to get to the point where you're allowed to touch the scepter, but the scepter is a hard break point. Yeah, if you get up there and you're like, oh, well, I think I can fool this scepter into thinking I give a shit about this crap country, Mm -hmm. and it's like, no, and also never again get out. Ah. Better be Slytherin, it says, and then you get, you get like banished from town. Yeah, then the next person comes up and it glows blue, and it's like Gryffindor. 
And you're like, this seems kind of unfair. And the, the meanwhile, the queen's not telling you that there's two buttons on there for like, is from a good family and is from the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, but like we were saying, you immediately start seeing the problem with this because it even has a sidebar about how there's this dude in the, in the kingdom right now who is the son of the previous king. And as a result, he went through a life of privilege. He had no problem breezing through all the tests to be a noble himself. And he was like, yeah, obviously it's me. I'm the son of the last king. Of course I'm going to be the next king. What the fuck do you mean deer picked some random lady? This is some bullshit. I'm slowly shifting towards shadow. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you're definitely illustrating the number one point with this kind of access mentality for being a noble, which is that if you're a, a rich fail son, you have infinite time to pass all the fucking tests. You don't have to be in the mines in the morning. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, if you're part of a family that's like, yeah, we're wealthy merchants and we got whatever we want to do, like, yeah, sure. You might just be like, of course I have the nation's best interests at heart because, you know, as far as I know, the nation is just here to supply me with stuff. If the nation does good, my stock portfolio goes up a percentage. Of course I'm on their side. Yeah, but if you're like, oh, I've been living, you know, on the street and mostly just you know, struggling to get by. And yes, this is a fantasy nice place. So no one's like homeless or anything. Yeah. But you know, you're, you could still be like, ah, I sweep up shit and I live in a bad part of town. Yeah. Those still exist. And I'm like, great. I studied for years more than, you yeah. know, I would have, if I was a noble up civics classes from three to 5 PM on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you have a real job, Fuck you. Yeah. It doesn't work like that, of course. The book doesn't get into it, but you can't help when you're reading it, but to imagine the nitty gritty of how this does tend to still support the rich people being rich. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, at the end of it, all it says is you get a noble title. It's not like, and now you get a nice house and a stipend. It's just like, great, now you're barren shovel shit, so get out of here. <laughs> you get responsibilities. Uh, now you have to attend a couple of meetings every year. Yeah. All right. Well, it turns out you're the duke of being a little bitch, and you got to go work in the mines still, but, yeah. you know, if we ever call for you for your civic duty, then you got to go do, I don't know, jury duty or some shit. Yeah, it's a lot like getting a college degree, where, where it doesn't guarantee... You know, in the 60s, I'm sure it guaranteed employment or whatever. You'd get a good job if you went to college. Now it pretty much just guarantees you have student loan debt. <laughs> yeah. They're like, ah, well, it turns out you spent so much time learning how to read and what civics courses were that you fell behind everyone else who was making barrels. Yeah. And now you can't make barrels as good. You can't coop for shit. Get the fuck out of here. You can't coop. You can't chand. What What are you good for in medieval craft societies? Huh? What do you What do you think you're going to haberdash now? Huh? <laughs> Get out of here. You can't right wanes. <laughs> you can't even left wanes. <laughs> you can't even fountains of wanes. <laughs> this is Wayne's world. <laughs> and here you are trying to treat it like a party time. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting system. It, it, you know, it's definitely one of those things where they've clearly tried to write in a kind of egalitarian utopia, but it's really hard to envision it working. Well, it's it's hard to be like, we've got a super egalitarian utopia, but we have to have the trappings of feudalist monarchy. Yes, because anything else wouldn't be romance fantasy. Yeah, you're like, oh, well, it's got to be fantasy, so it has to be... There's got to be a queen yeah, and a there, magic something or other that makes decisions. There there has to be, you know, 
all of this going on, there have to be like, you know, special noble balls and whatever. Yeah. And if you've got special noble balls, try Manscaped. <laughs> Look at that segue. We could be making money. <laughs> yeah, but they they're they're requ- when they sent us the email that was like, hey, would you like to advertise for Manscaped? They like had a bunch of homework assigned with it. They're like, you have to send us exactly how many downloads you get per week and your in your current demographic. And my urge to send and your back, credit card number. My urge to send back that our primary demographic is dudes with too hairy of balls <laughs> is just overwhelming. So I don't Yeah. You're not the one who should be replying to things. Maybe you should handle that one, because I'm going to fuck with them. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, in addition to your good guy country that you are assumed to be from, Mm -hmm. there is a bad guy country of Christians. Uh, Yeah, there's there's an evil... There's a very bog-standard, Catholic-inspired country. Yes, they are like, oh, we follow... One of the seven virtue gods is like, ah, that's our main one. Yeah. We, you know, we'll still worship the other ones, but this is like our one true god. Yeah. Uh, We also have uh, very distinct ideas about purity. Mm -hmm. And so any of the races in there uh, that are like, ah, yeah, I'm people. Yeah. I look like a half orc or I look like a drow. They're like, oh, you're evil and we will kill you on sight. Mm hmm. Yeah, they basically exist to stand in contrast to the uh, uh, utopia of Aldis. Yes. That's Jarzon. And Jarzon's whole deal... I mean, Jarzon, here's the thing. You read enough books, you start seeing this country over and over again. They've got, like, something that's basically a pope. They've got something that's basically the Knights Templar. It's amazing to me, though, that you see stuff all the time that's like, ah, yes, what is this? Uh, It's this. And depending on the game... Either they're the good guys or the bad guys. You're like, <laughs> welcome to yeah. welcome to the Catholic Church. Either someone likes the Catholic Church or they don't. Well, it really seems to boil down to whether or not the game is a space fantasy. Pretty much. If it's a space fantasy, then fuck yes, up with Rome and the Catholic Church. <laughs> and anything else is like, no, these dudes are bad and repressive. Yeah, and of course, they tried to attack all this before because they're like, oh, you're corrupt look at all of these evil species and gay people prancing hither and yawn so we're gonna attack you but there's a ridiculous swamp in between the two countries that Mm -hmm. like will murder you if you try so they have just a cold distant relationship because they're like oh neither one of us could attack the other one can't march through there without our horses drowning and it being the saddest thing in the movie (laughs) we would love to but we can't uh you also have uh one we didn't mention, which was uh, Rezia, which is basically the this is the Native American and sort of Mongol area oh, yeah, of that's the right. map. There is one of those. Yeah, so they're just you know hanging out, being cool. <laughs> yeah, they're fine. They're they're good people. Um, they, they, bunch of clans. Yeah, they're they uh, they have a bit more of a rough and ready lifestyle. Well, yeah, they're. I mean, they very much are like we are the smushing together of native american and mongol were very horseback riding horse nomads yeah the whole country of horse nomads we're on the steps you know yeah yeah so uh and then there's kern which just like in california is the shittiest part of of the world yep uh so uh, and i'm gonna go ahead and do the drink a bite reference again uh because kern's nectar I don't care. I still, I, I I mean, I'm not going to follow up with the whole series of jokes we did about that last time where I was listing off drinks that you can still get in grocery stores that no one knows what the fuck they are. Yep. Get that two-gallon bottle of blue Tampico. <laughs> what flavor is it? Blue. Yeah. <laughs> Tooth hurt. 
No, but uh, oh, that's when I go to the dentist. Tooth hurty. <laughs> I have a freaking dentist appointment for my kid at eight in the morning tomorrow. That's too early for dentists. Aww. Anyway, uh, where was I getting at with this? Kern is the bad guy country, like just straight up the evil one. Uh, early in the the history of this world, uh, a bunch of people rose to power through uh, the evil art of sorcery and became the shadow lords and shadow kings of the world, able to summon fell beasts through various shadow gates and consorting with demons and all that. Uh, unfortunately, they were all super paranoid, super powerful sorcerers, so they tended to kind of kill each other off. Yeah, there was a huge war. Uh... Like, the big swamp that'll murder you is part of that. Yep, yep. There is a giant, blasted, essentially nuked zone mm-hmm. that exists on the map where it's like, yeah, a giant nuke went off. Yep. And no one can go there. Yeah, and you gotta stay out of the swamp because there's an ogre there and you don't want to deal with his, like, farting to cook his fish and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Uh-huh. Yep, so current... Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> yes, and... Damn, he thick. <laughs> Uh, so Kern is the, the, the residence of the sole surviving member of the Shadow Lords. Yes. And, and the reason that he survived where all the other Shadow Lords did die is because he is sitting on a giant pile of super magical natural resources, the, the crystals of something or other. He basically has the best defensible position because he's In a behind valley. a bunch of mountains. Yes. And... So there's no real good way to assault him en masse. And, and he, he didn't it. go out and be like, well, I'm going to, you know, commit my entire army to go fuck over someone else. He was like, no, I'll just chill here. He's just going to chill there and charge charges crystal lasers because the dude has all the crystals. Yeah, I'm just going to hang out here, be a lich king. Yeah. Charge up my crystals out in the forest. Uh-huh. And his whole deal, like the country's whole deal is that it's primarily humans and night people. And night people are this game's half orcs, and I, I mean that in every sense. Yep. The only thing that they are not is half of one thing and half of a different thing. Yeah. They are they are created as a species by the seven twilight or the seven deadly sin gods, and the only thing they say about them is that they weren't concerned with aesthetics, so they look like half orcs. Yeah. Uh, and they have the stat spread of half orcs and the, and the powers of they're half orcs. Yeah. Uh, but in this country, it's like humans work all day and night people work all night. And, uh, and I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. Yeah. They're like, look, it's, it's all just humans and night people. And then also the undead. Cause you know, Lich King. Yeah. Unfortunately, the problem you keep running into is that they've done a great job of saying like, well, what's around all this? Well, if you go too far to the North, you run into the Pavis Weald, which is a giant impenetrable, super dense forest full of kind of Viking slash Scotsman type dudes who are technically allies of, of uh, Aldous, so they get along with them, but the forest is impassable, and if you go past it anyway, you still just run into, I think it's uh, Razian or whatever, that country. Uh, if you go too far to the east, you run into the Ultra Swamp that you can't get through before you can get to Jarzon. Too far to the west, you run into Kern. South takes you to water. So you have this problem where, what do you do? It tends to be kind of a... All the, all the threats are too monolithic. Well, they, they made some boundary choices between a lot of the places where it's like, Oh, what if I wanted to go fuck up some shit in Kern? Oh, well, it's almost impossible to get through the mountains, and even if you do, they have tons of lookouts on the actual passable ranges, so that won't work. And they're a whole country, so you know, if you're a team of questing knights or whatever, you're going to just run into the fact that they are a country and, and, you know, lose. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing everywhere. You're like, oh, I want to go do stuff over in uh, Jerzon. All right, well, you got to get through the murder swamp first, and even if you do, you get over to that other country, and you're like, hey, I guess stop doing that, and they'll go, no, also you're dead now. Stop being so Catholic, you. Hey, you. (laughs) Have you considered having a Vatican too? 
We have not. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, the book essentially wants you to be a knight for the queen because there is a thing called the queen's finest. Yep. And they're just sort of traveling problem solvers Mm -hmm. because this game is less concerned with, oh, there's a bunch of monsters in a, you know, dungeon over there. Go kill them all and take their stuff. Mm -hmm. And more like, oh, you should go to this town and they're having a problem and you should like solve it with the power of friendship or whatever. And, you know, maybe the mayor needs to really take a hard look at himself. (laughs) Maybe someone's causing trouble in the neighborhood. Well, if you've got a problem, you all solve it. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about the other species you can play as real quick, just to get through the listing of them. A lot of humans. There's a lot of humans because they do uh, humans by region. So, you know, you have uh, Aldous humans, various types of Aldous humans, including like Islanders or mountain folk and forest people and so on. Uh, Jarzon, uh, Razian, uh, Kern all have their own different types of humans you can play as. Plus the Romers, which is... Honestly, the closest thing to okay done Roma I've come across in a game in quite some time. Yep. They're fine. They're, yeah. They're, they're fine. Like, they're like, hey, uh, we acknowledge all of the uh, shit that most people think about the Roma mm-hmm. and say that's not true. And then that's about it. They're not like, yes, and they're particularly adept at thievery. You're yeah. like, nope. They don't pull the thing where they're like, none of the rumors about these guys are true. They steal the sixth son of the sixth son. Yeah. You're like- Please don't don't start off with like, oh, most people think these are baby stealers, but they don't. They will, of course, swindle you, though. You're like, <laughs> stop it. They'll swindle your baby. <laughs> swindle my baby? <laughs> Someone swindle my baby. Swindle me. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, now the word swindle has lost all meaning. <laughs> swindle me from the shramblers. <laughs> oh, swindle me gently. <laughs> Come on, swindle me deadly. Nice. Okay. Um, so beyond the humans that you can play as, and there are quite a number of them, uh, there are some other species you can play as for the first one let's talk about is the rye folk or the rye Dan is the actual species name. This is intelligent animals. Cause that's a perfect romantic fantasy kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't mean anthro. I don't mean that these are werewolves and stuff like that. This isn't, this isn't uh, muscular Balto dudes with a surprising thatch of pubic hair, even though they have fur and access to manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> don't do the work until we actually send in the demographics and stuff. No, it's literal just sentient animals. Uh, if they are the sentient version or really sapient version of the animal, mm-hmm. then they are a rye or R-H-Y whatever. So it'll be like a rye wolf or a rye horse or mm-hmm. whatever. These come in a wide variety of species, including you know things like boar and bats and, and whales and stuff like that. There are only five of them that are actually selectable as playable character classes, and those are rye wolf, rye horse, rye cat, uh also cat not like house cat but like a tiger yes and uh i'm blanking on it's probably bear i don't remember but the last one is dolphin yeah you just be a dolphin and they make no effort to point out that yeah you can be like in the on land so that's okay though because after the rye folk which let's talk real quick about the the mechanics of them uh in this game because as we mentioned earlier all the stats are done by just the bonus and not the actual stat value uh a human will get six points to arrange among their stats. So if they want to have the equivalent of an 18 in strength, they'll put four there, and then they have two more ones they can place out somewhere else to give themselves the equivalent of a 12 in those stats. You can reduce stats to negative for an equivalent amount of extra bonus. You get the idea. Rifle cover only get four points to spread among their stats because they get bigger stat bonuses than the other species do. Yep. They also get 
to be psychic for free, allowing them to actually communicate with other people. Yeah, because it's not like, oh, I'm a talking wolf. I just walk up to you, and for some reason, this mm-hmm. wolf, using its weird wolf mouth, can speak English. Yeah, just go, like, hey, what's up, bro? I'm a wolf. No, instead, they all just telepathically talk to you. Yes. Uh, and if they want to use, you know, like tools or wield a sword or something like oh i have to telekinetically do that if i want which to they cannot do for free they have no. to pick that shit up in their mouth until they spend the uh, the feats to get the extra ability to telekinetically wield weapons and so on uh the next species after that let's talk real quick about the aquatic folk yeah there's the sea folk the sea folk are uh the remnants of an ancient lineage of um people who could freely transfer between the uh, the water and the land they can as well uh they are consistently described primarily this is the number one thing they say about the sea folk is that they are super androgynous yes indeed the art does not bear this out well whoever was doing the art was like eh what's androgynous mean the dudes have long hair and no beards right that's androgynous done okay great i should still draw the ladies seven halter tops barely containing their heaving bosoms correct booze hems booze hems <laughs> you don't know. Maybe that's a dude with some heaving booze hands. Uh, you know what? Maybe it is, but that still wouldn't be androgynous. That'd still be heavily characteristic. <laughs> I just took a took because I was like, oh, neat, an androgynous species. What does that do? Oh, they freely interbreed with humans. And I was like, okay, they don't mean it that way. That means they mean it by appearance. Yes. And then it was like, well, what do they look like? Drow, swimming drow. Oh, well, they're not andro. No, they're not. We just like saying the word. We just really like that as a concept. Yeah. Not enough to pay an artist to do it, but, but you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> that's pretty much all there is to say about them. They can hold their breath for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, we also have the Vata, yeah, which they're... are half elves, essentially. And yeah. then Vata Shan, which are the drow. Half drow. The whole deal is uh, a long time ago during the Sorcerer King era, there was a whole species called like Vata on, which were basically elves. Like, uh, just straight-up elves, the way you'd understand them. But they uh, tried to fight against the Sorcerer Kings with the Rye animals mm-hmm. and got extinctified. Literally driven to extinction. The only people left with Vata blood are half-breeds, uh, creating the Vata On, which is the uh, the, the generic half-elf, and the Vata Shan, which is a half-drow kind of thing. Yeah. And they have elf stats, and they are elves. I mean, they even describe it as like, what do these look like? Well, they are noble and and uh, very tall and slender and they all have long straight hair that drapes to their shoulders and pointy ears and they're elves and they're from alfheim and they're very mm. elfy yeah and they help santa in his workshop <laughs> they love doing that uh-huh do you get it do you get what they are vada zin were the original ones ah, okay. there we are yeah there you have it and then uh, there's the shadow people or night people. Yeah, which we've already gone over. We've gone over them, and that's those are your options. You pretty much have have uh, animals, half orcs, and half elves, and humans. Yep. But you oh, know, and different names. Mermen. You get them, mermen. Now, the uh, a neat thing about this game is that there are only three classes. They're called roles. Yep. Uh, but basically, what they did was they took every single D and D class there's ever been and was like, well, really, you could boil these down into good at fighting good at spelling and well good at spell cat craft <laughs> good <like> at they, <laughs> spelling <laughs> could you use it in a sentence <laughs> no <laughs> huh the word you need to spell is <laughs> vehement <laughs> uh anyway where was i uh, the last one is good at skills yes so you know like thieves and bards and uh, in this case nobles because you know nobles are a thing we talked about earlier 
They are skill. They're a skill monkey class, and they are perfectly functional and playable. Unlike when D and D did nobles, they were like, "This is sort of half a class that you can use to build a useless NPC with class levels for no reason." Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. You know, when they were like, "Ah, yes, here's our level zero blacksmith." You're like, "That's not an actual class." And why does it need stats? <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Don't do that. The, I mean, the interesting thing here is, uh, the way in which they decided to parcel out what you do they're like okay yeah you can have you know your uh your fighting guys or your spell casting guys and whatever mm -hmm. but a lot of the class features just got stripped out yes and turned into feats because everyone gets at least four to start with uh sometimes those are spoken for mm -hmm. uh like if you're a fighting guy you automatically get the ability to wear heavy armor and I think a weapon specialization and then two others of your choice. Yeah. But most of the feats are, you have, you know, your generic ones that you would have seen in uh, third ed anyway, yeah, you know, you blind, like blind fighting and power strike. And yeah, you, you got know, your running shot and shit like that attack, all the stuff you're used to from that. But then they each role has their own category of feats that they have access to. And, and a lot of those will also be familiar. And some of them will be familiar, and some of them are just class features. Yeah, well, that's what I meant, is that they'll be familiar as class features, because they'll just take things like, I don't know, evasion and improved evasion from the rogue and just make those into feats, or diamond soul from the monk and just make it into a feat. Oh, yeah. So that you can kind of pick and choose and build your character the way you want to, as opposed to following the old D&D breakpoint thing where, you know, a level 7 monk has the same features as every other level 7 monk. Exactly. So you can essentially, if you wanted to... Be like, oh, well, I just want to make a rogue. You're like, all right, you make an expert, and then you just pick all of the rogue stuff as you level up. Yeah. Great. But even then, as you're leveling up, you're going to get more than just the rogue features. Yeah. So you'll still end up being like, oh, I'll, I'll probably pick a couple things from some random stuff. Yeah. Like at starting level, your character should generally have, I, I think it's variable depending on the on the thing you are. But you know, taking it add up as an example, it add up starts with four feats. Not everyone gets four; it's just some are spoken. For. Okay, yeah. Um, so your four feats can be used to purchase things that you would expect to see from an add up, which is a spellcaster, like some spells or, or uh, certain arcane talents and so on. But you're starting at first level with four feats, and you gain a feat every level. Yep. So by the time you're done leveling to twenty, because it's a twenty level game, you'll have twenty three feats, which means twenty three different class kind of effects that you have picked as you made your way up the, up the uh, chart. Yeah. Uh, and none of them, in, in a lot of cases, are spoken for, especially after the first choice of levels, which means that your character is going to be pretty wildly different between various adepts as opposed to being, you know, largely identical, as you'd see between, I don't know, sorcerers in D&D. Now, the interesting thing for both feats and skills is everyone has a list of things in feats or skills that are available to them as favored things they can do. Mm -hmm. And so for feats, most of the time it'll just be you have access to generic feats and whatever your roles feats are, but then you might have access to some other stuff based on, you know, what species you pick. So like night people have access to rage. So if you want a barbarian's rage, but you're, you know, a sorcerer, like, great, I'm an adept, but I'm also a knight person, which means if I really want to, I'd be like, yeah, I, I'll use some abilities and kind of do some psychic powers, 
but I might get real angry at a motherfucker and punch him in the face. Yeah. You're like, sure, you can do that. Yeah, a lot of this is, is basically taking OGL stuff and simplifying it dramatically. For example, skills work by basically, rather than giving you numbers of ranks or points you can spend to rank up skills, you either choose your skills as favored or not favored, which boils down to the equivalent of being max rank in that skill, either class or cr cross class in old third edition mechanics. So, for example, if you uh, if you have a favored skill as an adept in... I don't know, choose a, a craft, knowledge, arcana. knowledge arcana, then you'll have your level plus four rank or plus three ranks in it. And if you are, if you took instead like endurance or something, which was from the, uh, the, the night tree uh, or the martial tree, then you're going to get half your level rounded down feats in it instead or half your level plus three rounded down or divided. No, your level the plus three <laughs> divided by two rounded down rank. So cross class mass rank, max rank. Yes. But I just wanted to say very quickly, there is no, martial or adept skills, I know. you get a number of skills that you consider favored, uh, some you get from your species selection, mm -hmm. uh, and then the rest of them are just, you get a number based on your uh, role plus intelligence. Yeah, to go back to adept, for example, you'll just take, you get four. If you want endurance to be one of the ones you're yeah. good at, that can be a class skill for you. Get, you. you get four that are unspoken for, and then you the other two are any craft, uh, you choose one craft and one knowledge, and you get those for free, in addition. Uh, that's for an adept. Yeah. And it'll be different for an expert. An yeah. expert, of course, gets way more skills, because that's their thing. Six plus a craft and plus your their intelligence bonus. bonus, yes. Uh, and, and so on. Uh, so basically, when you look at a starting character, like a level one adept, for example, will just have attack and defense bonuses because there is a static defense bonus that all the, all the uh, rolls get uh, that works alongside with your, your armor, but it's just sort of incre a scaling increase to your, your AC. Yeah, that way you don't really need to worry about, like, do I have magic whatever? They're like, great, no, you just have a scaling defense and a scaling offense that's sort of base attack bonus. It doesn't do the at the uh, multi attack thing though. Mm -hmm. It never becomes plus six plus one. It just it just keeps going up. Uh, you also have fortitude, or just the the same saves as third edition ha would have. Fortitude, reflex, will. Uh, you also get a reputation bonus. Yeah, uh, which is just added to any social skill where people knowing your name would be valuable. And then you have uh, toughness, which is. An interesting thing, because as we mentioned way at the beginning, there are no hit points in this. Mm -hmm. Instead, if someone manages to get past your armor class and hit you, uh, you instead of having just take some damage, you have to make a save, a toughness save, uh, with a difficulty based on the damage done that's like 10 plus damage done plus something. And then uh, if you save... Nothing happens to you. You're mm -hmm. fine. Yep. If you don't, then depending on how much you failed the save by, you will get some sort of penalty. You might just be slightly wounded. Yep. Uh, you might be, you know, severely wounded all the way up to if you really fucked up, it's a super high DC and you rolled like a one, maybe you're dead or dying. But yeah, or living like you're dying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Again. Do we do that? Oh, shit. Jeez. Never. Some of these jokes are so obvious. It's not my fault. It is your fault. Okay. It's my fault. No, it's my fault. I was queued for Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. I'm not now. And even, even though the queue right now is probably in the 6,000s. Yeah. You know, I'm just not going to play tonight. I've I've given up on that. Yeah, you got to get up early anyway. I do. I got to get up early for that dentist appointment. Yeah. Not looking forward to that. Oh. Okay. So, well, at least it's not my dentist appointment. 
<laughs> dig around in someone else's mouth. Yeah, that's what you're going to do. That's my plan. I was going to do some amateur dentistry tomorrow <laughs> I'm not morning. I'm going to dig around in someone's mouth. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what was I going to get at? So that's that's the toughness system, which is sort of a progressive damage track that's not hit points. Uh, the other thing that's different about this game uh, from 3.x stuff is the conviction score, which is basically Benny's. Yeah, you get some stuff that you, you can spend so that if you're like, oh, I really don't want to die because someone hit me real good and I fucked up my roll. Yeah. You'd be like, nope, I'll go ahead and you know roll again. Yeah, you can spend it for re-rolls. You can spend it to reduce the, uh, the uh, incoming value of something. You can spend it to attempt things your character should otherwise be unable to attempt. Yeah. Like if you want to jump off a, a castle and land in a hay bale or something, you can like, I'll spend a, a conviction to let me even try this. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you have a base amount that you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that'll go up as you level up for yeah, how many you can you hold. Three. I think everybody starts with three, and then you you can hold more as you make your way up. And they are earned by being awesome, but also via some mechanical uh, functions. So they can be they can be handed out like benefits, but also you will earn them at a steady pace anyway. I think you even regenerate one automatically every morning. Sure. I th- I th- pretty sure you do. And it's not even every morning. It's like if you're... Because this game has an alignment system, but the alignment system is you are good twilighty which means you're somewhere between good and evil and evil uh and if you are good you get your point back in the morning and if you're evil you get your point back at midnight eh. the evilest possible hour yeah <laughs> anyway when you're done with you you get a feat per level uh some of the things you can spend feats on include things like arcane training which is basically- well, yeah, i mean i was gonna say we Got to get into the fact that spells don't exist in this. No, they do not. Spell effects kind of exist, but you have less of them and you purchase them as if they were feats. So each time you take arcane training in something, you look, you, you, oh, I took arcane training in illusion. You look at the illusion arcanum list and you choose two of them. And now you have those two and, and they work just like skills. They have ranks that go up at the same speed as if they were class or cross class the same way. Uh, and you roll them to activate them, and there's uh, mechanics for whether or not you can use them all day, uh, based on th- a, a, a tag called fatiguing. Yeah. If if a uh, if an arcanum is fatiguing, then every time you do it, you make a DC check to see if you tire yourself out, and if you do, then it becomes increasingly hard to make uh, ar- uh, arcana happen over the course of that day. Yeah. Until Quit you trying to make fatigue. arcana happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's a neat system. Uh, the other tag that you'll see occasionally throughout the Arcana, and this is something that bothered me personally, so definitely worth talking about, is sorcery. Mm-hmm. This now, game- sorcery is uh, evil magic, yeah, because that's what made the Sorcerer Kings of old is, they're like, oh, you know, psychic powers and whatnot are fairly common, and it's, you know, even if you're not playing an adept, if you are, you know, a, say, a martial character, mm-hmm. One of the generic feats you can take is just you can use one of the arcana. So great. You can be like, yeah, I, I'm just a sword guy, but also I have the ability to, you know, read minds or talk to animals or whatever. Yeah. Great. Cool. But with this, they're like, yeah, it's very common, but some people get into the evil aspects and those are sorcery. Yes, and some of them are obvious. There'll be things like, you know, mind alteration or memory write, rewriting. Yeah, Stuff, anything that would take free will away. Yeah, or force shape-shifting on somebody, that kind of thing. Anything that affects people's free will or their, or inviolates their body in some way. Obviously sorcery, and when you do something with sorcery, you roll to see if it corrupts you, and it's harder to get rid of corruption than it is to get corrupted. 
Yeah. Uh, it, there's a whole set of mechanics for that, that, that handle that. Uh, the reason that I'm going to call it out a little bit is for the same reason I called out Palladium all the time back in the day, uh, which is that they just, in addition to the ones that are like, oh, you're doing something critically evil regarding free will or memory or something like that. Also, every single Arcanum that does damage yeah. is is uh, sorcery, which I find irritating because it's not like every single sword swing you do is corrupting. Exactly. The fact that you're like, oh, I could take this sword and go stab some guy, and that's fine. But if I try and, you know, use a mind blast on him, well, now I'm evil. Yeah. Or at least you're getting corrupted. And technically, there's common sense mechanics in this game for corruption as well. Like, if you take your sword, which is inherently non-corrupting or sorceress and influence, and you use it to kill a bunch of orphans, then yes, technically the DM, the DM is at their liberty to be like, ah, uh, you should gain some corruption for that. That was an inherently corrupting act. Yeah. Same thing for if you find a, a corrupting use for a non-sorcery tagged spell. Which is... It begs the question why sorcery is a tag. Yes. Because you're like, it should oh, be common you've, sense. you've already said that I can get corruption from non-sorceress tagged things mm -hmm. and from non-spell effects. Why don't you just make that a discretionary thing? It then? should be entirely discretionary. Like if you're using mind blasts or fireballs or something to kill evil skeletons, it's probably not that important to be like, well, that's immoral, though. Uh... It should be up to the... But hitting them with a mace isn't for reasons I can't quite get into. It's because we wanted this sorcery thing to be part of the world story. Yeah, and I mean, I understand the idea of being like, oh, well, you know, power corrupts and the the ability to deal damage will be even. I'm like, no, you can't do that in a system that's OGL, so it still has a fairly heavy combat focus. Yes, yeah. So that's the kind of thing that tends to rub me the wrong way. The reason I cite Palladium, of course, is because one of the psychic powers in Palladium let you set people on fire, which is perfectly neutral and had no negative effects to the ramifications of your alignment, or it let you fling boiling water at them, which was only evil people would ever do that. Of course. It's like, yeah, I feel like both of those things will inflict burns. Yeah, I feel like if I just light a dude on fire, that's probably, you know, not good. <laughs> it's probably not a good thing to do. Yeah, but if I teach a man to fish... <laughs> and throw them in boiling water. <laughs> That's why it's only evil to, evil to throw someone in boiling water. If you put them in in lukewarm water and then rise it to boiling. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, especially if they're a frog. Uh, so there you go. That's After that, the game does have a, a uh, fairly... Uh, it's 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 a well designed laid out game. So it's got room for an adventure at the back and a bestiary. The bestiary is almost completely uninspired. There's nothing in there that you haven't seen before. It was very yeah. it was very boring. Uh, I mean, not, I don't. Not that I, I'm trying to fault it. it. Ultimately, this isn't a game about swords and sorcery. This is a game about like going to fancy costume balls. Yeah, this is a game about kisses and sorcery. Yes, yeah. So, uh, so I'm I'm not sure why I'm so grumpy about. it. I just was kind of hoping that the world would have a little more uniqueness to it beyond the kind of social stuff that they came up with. Eh, I mean. The fact that there is a bestiary at all in this OGL game, I was like, great, sure. Yeah, that, that is technically a, a point in their favor. That's that's good that it's there. I mean, the fact that uh, we had brought it up before the way that this game also, as far as the whole looking ahead thing, the way skills work in this, as like you pick them and then you just are trained in that and get your bonus or you don't. Yeah. Uh, being a thing that happened in like fourth and fifth ed, uh, as well, there is a minion concept That's that right. exists in here. Yeah, it's a little more complicated than the minion of 4th edition, where they just have one hit point, and anything that doesn't damage them or, or misses them doesn't do any damage at all. It's fairly straightforward. In this one, it's 
when you hit something that's tagged as a minion with an attack, they automatically make the worst possible roll they could on their save. Yeah, they are considered as having rolled a one, and so if you did enough damage that having rolled a one would just kill them, great, they're dead. That still, though, is a minion in OGL. Yeah, no, like I said, there's a lot of stuff in the Blue Row system that is very forward-looking, specifically forward-looking for D&D. Yes, yeah, and forward-looking for progressive ideals being built into game design. as And apparently forward-looking for what they turn mutants and masterminds into, if uh, what people have told us is any indication. Yeah, apparently so. So, kind of neat. Um, so there you go. That's pretty much everything we really need to say about the game. Basically. Twice. Yeah, pretty much. We've we've gone over it. Uh, I guess... Oh, uh, the equipment in here, one thing to note is because there aren't hit points or anything like that. Oh, everything just uh, weapons damage. is uh based on a bonus of plus, you know, zero to say like plus four or something. Mm -hmm. Uh and if I use a sword, I swing on someone, I add my strength bonus, I add my weapon bonus, and that's what's gonna be added to the DC of the toughness save. Yep. So I'm not like rolling a D six and adding, you know, my stat and then a modifier for the weapon and anything else. It's just no, once you know what your strength and weapon score is, the DC is basically going to stay the same. Yeah, you could just be like, oh, my, my strength and combined weapon store is plus six. So when you when I tell people that I hit them with a sword, I say, add plus six to your toughness save. Yeah, it's... Very straightforward. It's much easier than the variable thing. It means you're uh, much more likely to know exactly how difficult it is for someone to save or not off of something. Yeah. The only other thing about the the equipment system is very much just everything that's in D and D. Yeah, it's just like oh, all the same armors, all the same weapons. The only other thing of really note is that there is a a, a generic, uh, commonly found within the world, not ultra rare wand gun you can buy, which is just a gun that's a wand. And if you're a, an adept or anyone who has any kind of sorcery training, you can use it roughly the same as a crossbow. It uses your dex modifier. You shoot, I think it actually, sorry, wisdom or your int modifier because it's a spell thingy. But it's just like, oh, this is a gun wand that shoots bolts. I mean, essentially it was, we haven't quite made cantrips a thing for damage cantrips yet. No, the only so, thing, yeah, cantrips in this game are just things that aren't fatiguing. Yeah, so instead they were like, oh, you can just have a wand and if you're not in a place where you're like, oh, I want to use my Arcanum effects or if, you know, also you were like, Oh, I fatigued myself. Mm -hmm. uh, you can still do magic as your thing instead of having to be like, well, my wizard got tired, so now I have to, I don't know, be a shitty fighter. Yeah, you can still shoot your gun wand. So that's kind of neat. It's neat that that's sort of just accepted and, and, and an easy and common part of, of game design is, oh, there's just a gun for mages. It's fine. Yeah, they it just, and It's not overwhelmingly powerful or anything. No, it's like it's, having a light crossbow. It's the same thing as being like, what do you do? I cast magic missile just as a base level yeah. thing. Plus, it's not sorcery. Yeah. It's a great way to do damage as a wizard without worrying about whether or not it makes you evil. That's right. If I use my brain to really concentrate on hurting you, that's evil. But if I just use this wand to fling damage at mm -hmm. you, fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if something's uh, uh, bearing down on me and I have to use a lightning bolt to defend myself, that's evil. But if they're bearing down on me and I shoot them with a gun, <laughs> that is not. That's castle defense. That's standing your ground. <laughs> Ouch, I hurt myself. <sighs> All right, what was your favorite thing about this game? Uh, best thing in this game, I mean, there's a lot of real good stuff as far as, you know, 
the setting goes, mm-hmm. I do want to call out that having a setting that is very much about, even if they don't get everything right, because it's still, you know, nothing's ever going to be completely right and forever, having the notion of, you know, acceptance and things like that is very good. Yeah. Uh, but just mechanically, I really like the parceling out of the feats. Yeah. I yep. really enjoy the fact that you can essentially mix and match your class to be what you'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really good system and it makes it so that every level feels important. You get something every yeah. level. Cause there are a lot of times everybody where, getting something, especially if you're not a spellcaster, you'd be like, I went up a level. What did you get? Fuck nothing. I got, I don't know. D6 plus one to my points. Yeah. I got plus one to my fort save. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, but at this, because there's always a choice and those choices can be like class features or ways to change the way you actually work. That's such a good thing to keep you looking forward to every level. Yeah. Oh, another thing worth mentioning. There is no reason that you can't take one level of adept and then jump to expert and then jump to uh, Marshall or whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. The if game you're, doesn't have multi-classing penalties or anything. If your whole thing is like, oh, I want to make this character, but one of the feats I really want for them is in, you know, expert, but I'm running a Marshall. You're like, okay, take a level of expert. Go use that level to get that feat. And then you can keep going on as your Marshall guy. It doesn't really matter. Yep. So that's that's nice to see. And because there's not hit points, you don't have to be like, oh, I only rolled a D6 instead of a D10. Also, there aren't spell levels, so you're, you're not feeling like you took a, a huge penalty for uh, for jumping out oh, of yeah. Wizard for one level. If you're an adept and you're like, well, I've been an adept for six levels, I'll go over to Marshall just so I can get something with a cool weapon focus. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get a weapon focus on my wand. Like, Great. Cool. Doesn't fuck you up in any way. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. That's my favorite is the feat system. What about you? Uh, I'm going to take as my favorite the fa- I got I got to throw it to the th- to them for this because it's something I am constantly clamoring for in every other D and D I've ever read of getting rid of of uh, three through eighteen stats and replacing them with just the bonuses. Oh yeah, just That's, murdering the sacred cows. It's it's so nice to see that just get done. And it, even fourth edition more or less almost did it, but then still used the actual stats as like breakpoint indicators for whether or not you can qualify for feats and stuff like that. Uh, in this game, they're just like, nah, your, your strength is three. You have a three strength. It's plus three to everything you do. You just use the bonuses. It's, it's super easy. Yeah. And I got to give them, I got to give them credit for finally doing that. I'm glad someone did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what would you say is your least favorite thing? Uh, I mentioned this in the last one. I think I'm going to stick with it. The health track with the, uh, the toughness save. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say oh, hit points are, you know, a much better system, and they definitely should have done that. Uh, But it is definitely a system where I'm like, I'd like to play this out before I would say it's actually good or not. Yeah. Because every time you get wounded, you get a penalty to your next save. It does have that feeling of like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be in a death spiral. But also because it is based on how much your save was under what you needed it only takes one roll of a one on a at an opportune time to just murder you whereas if i have like 100 hit points even if a dude crits me and he's like yeah i did like 35 okay ow but in this one if i'm a level 10 guy and someone just comes up and i roll a one i could be like well i'm fucked yeah that is true yeah so so i think it's it's not the best system 
uh, in a game that otherwise had a lot of really good ideas. Yeah. What yeah. about you? I genuinely cannot remember what I said the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have said that the bestiary was too boring, or I might have said that I'm still not a huge fan of um, linking uh, gender expression and sexuality in with the gods, because that kind of thing. I mean, that's sort of thing that bothered me when they did that in D&D, where they were like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, uh, trans people exist because Coralon the Raytheon can change gender and so can some of his worshippers. And I was like, yeah, trans people shouldn't be restricted to being elves and clerics. <laughs> they And they shouldn't be magic people who can change gender whenever they want because that will not be what a trans person sees themselves in, in, in how they'll see themselves in a game. Yeah. Uh, but that's that, you know, this game, like I said, ultimately this kind of won me over because it's not as bad as that. Uh, same by the same token, they kept going on about how there's two kinds of people in the world. There's followers of the dawn and followers of the light. And I was like, yeah, but what about the other, what about people who swing both ways? You know, ACDCs. And the book finally got around to be like, yeah, there's bisexuals. There's yeah, th there's, there's there's everything in between as well. It's yeah. just, this is a term we use. Yeah, it, got, it took a while to get there. It's towards the end of the book where they finally go like, yeah, there's bisexuals all over the place too. It's fine. And poly marriages and all that. That's It's all super common in Aldous. Yeah. <laughs> Aldous, the good place. Yeah. But no, I guess in, in I'm not sure why I'm rambling on about this because I'm just going to take that I wish this world had a little bit more to it outside of the progressive ideals and the good class design that was new. Because mm -hmm. I feel like everything else is just like, I don't know, take orcs from D&D &D and put them in here so you can have something to beat up or sharks or whatever. Uh, also, some of the species design is, uh, they, I feel like they just took what they, like dolphins and so on, if you play as them, it's like, well, what do you get for bonus feats? Favorite enemy, shark. And, and I'm like, you can do better. You can do, that's that's not going to come up very often. That's kind of a... Well, I mean, if you're playing as a dolphin, they're like, yeah, but probably it will come up fairly often because it's not like you're running around. I guess it got me there. But yeah, I just wish that there was more world building in terms of generating antagonistic potential. Mm. And, and and ultimately, the fact that the only thing I can come up with to say that I don't like about this game is so fucking nebulous is a mark that this game's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I assume that having some direction to being like, all right, you told me that I'm going to be, you know, one of these traveling knights of the Queen's Finest or whatever what is that going to entail? Like, what, give me a few examples of, like, what would not just an adventure, but, like, a campaign look like? Am yeah. I, is this the type of game where the actual idea of, yeah, you could topple Kern is a thing that you think is possible? Or is that not what this is about? And should I just be like, yeah, you should be trying to make life good for, you know, your fellow people and... Yeah. You know, when you get to level 20, it should just be like, yeah, I I made a village that's very happy and I like them very yeah. much. I just feel like the world had less hooks in it than I would like to see is basically where I'm coming down on that. All right. So there you have it. Would you play this? Uh, Sure. This is probably one of the only OGL titles that exists that I would actually play. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got enough different that I wouldn't feel like I was wasting my time just playing D&D &D again. Yeah. Uh. So it's got things that I think are interesting mechanically enough that I could play with and the setting, you know, I'd want to see what someone was running it for. I could definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, would, there's a, there's a, would you want to oh, play it? I mean, yeah, for pretty much yeah. the same reasons. Like I know there's a couple of OGL games I'd be more willing to play than you. Uh, notably, I still have a soft spot for D20 Modern and its Urban Arcana expansion. 
Yeah. Uh, but so I would definitely play that too. But I would I would for sure play this. It seems like again, just like you were saying, a good DM feels like they could take this world and do something really fun with it. Yeah. And they, I, I don't feel like this world would struggle against people doing something fun with it. Uh huh. So yeah, I think I'd play this. Sweet. And there you have it. A reasonably good game worth checking out. Yeah, a game so nice we reviewed it twice. Now, as to whether or not the current version of this is any good, they have their own uh, engine they use now. I don't know. Never read it. Don't know. Yeah, don't know. All I know is that they got into some shit, and that's it. They, that's yeah, all well, I know. They, they, they uh, are apparently still owe us all a timeline of who said what when or something. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I, I have... I think I can remember who it was that they were defending. C.A. Suleiman. S.A. S.A.? Oh, S.A. Suleiman. Okay. Uh, th- so that guy. I can remember the name. Cl- yeah. uh, almost got there. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't look that up or nothing. Yeah. I just wasn't going to say it. <laughs> oh, right. Don't want to get put names out there. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. But I, you know, whatever. Now we remember it. <laughs> well, now you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't even remember what he, was, what he did. Maybe I should. Maybe it's bad that I don't. Maybe but it's not like I'm a huge proponent of this company or anything, so I feel like I'm not. No. I'm not being intentionally negligent. Ah. And, and we're, we're reviewing a game that I'm pretty sure came around before he was part of anything they do. Yeah. So I feel like uh, our hands are clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. You go ahead and tell yourself that pilot. I am blameless. She ran. I pursued her. <laughs> ah, I like that you went for uh, Notre Dame and I went for Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's not that I don't dislike the Pontius Pilate song. In fact, I think the Pontius Pilate song is phenomenal, but it's no hellfire. I mean, here's the thing. Pontius Pilate song, great. Still like the sixth best song in that musical. That's the thing. Jesus Christ Superstar is a banger from start to finish, <laughs> where Hellfire is one of two standouts in, in a movie that's got some bad songs. Oh, yeah. Especially because you're like, that one comes in the middle when you've been dragging your ass through this. You can listen to this fucking Jason Alexander gargoyle limp along rhyming croissant with shit. And then you get that and you're like, oh, fuck. A what? fucking fucking psychosexual priest singing about this Roma woman that he'll kill if he can't fuck. What the hell? Holy <laughs> shit. What? what? And then you spend the the back half of that movie going, did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Hellfire's a, a a kick-ass. So that's why I've got to align myself. <laughs> if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna uh describe myself as blameless, I'm gonna go with Judge Cla- Claude Frollo there you go. instead of Pontius Pilate. All right. <laughs> But your opinion may vary. <laughs> anyway, please join us for bonus content, won't you? Patreon.com slash System Mastery, where if you support us at the one dial level, you can hear us make characters from this game or describe the characters we made for this game, because uh, it's currently still up, but I think it's all crackly. Yeah, well, look, we are dedicated to giving you the best that we can. Mm-hmm. We went back and re-recorded an entire podcast because it's a little crackly, mm-hmm. and we do that because we're dedicated to you, the listener. Yeah. And definitely not because want... we forgot to do the ad read and because I spent most of the beginning of the episode spoiling a game that came out a week ago. <laughs> definitely neither of those reasons. Uh, actually, literally neither of those that reasons. Is correct, it is yeah. just because it now, was crap. I did feel really bad about spoiling the game. So I, I was I was up pretty late last night racking myself with anxiety for being so dumb. Oh, so, so just, so you know, this was a this was a tough to this wasn't a tough decision to re-record. It was. It was a it was a night where I was like, ah, oh, goddamn it! I really wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, but if you appreciate our hard work trying to do our best for you mm-hmm. and staying up late at night dreaming of ways to entertain you, you can go over to Patreon.com/slash System Mastery. Just give us a dollar. Yeah, 
Give it, send it with a little note that says, hey, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, a little Christmas note that says, hey, Merry Christmas. Yeah, technically System Mastery is on Kofi, so if you want to throw us an extra little Christmas gift. Are we? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we created a code. We've only ever made like- A dollar? I, no, I created it once because someone wanted to send us a bunch of money at once, and it was like, I don't know, 40 bucks or something. So it technically still exists. I, I've never gotten a notification, because don't, we don't advertise it. No. So so uh, it's it's out there. If you want to support us on Kofi, you can. Uh, and I don't even know how. I think you just have to search for us because it's not like I remember that web link off the top of my head. Nope. So so anyway, that's the way you can support us. And you know, we know times are tough. So if you don't, and it's the holidays and a lot of your money's already spoken for or spent. So we understand. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it, honestly, just the gift of you listening and saying something nice. That'd giving be really a, good. Giving a review, mm-hmm. giving a nice five-star rating, whatever it is. Honestly, I would absolutely love to be able to, on Christmas Day, open up my phone and find a plethora of people who went, hey, this podcast isn't total shit. Yeah, give us some recommendations on Twitter. I mean, they don't do anything, but they make uh, they make us happy to see them. Yeah. Follow Friday is worthless, but that said, I do like seeing people say we're nice. Yeah, you know what? Follow me at GurgleSpasm mm-hmm. on Twitter and go ahead and, I don't know, tag me in something where you're like, that John. What a guy. Yeah, just do that. And if you can't do any of those things, that's fine. What a man solo. <laughs> What a mighty good man. <laughs> Solo. And if you can't do any of those things, that's fine. Just then shave, how about a smile? Just shave our name in your balls. <laughs> and if you haven't got an ape anything, God bless you. And if you haven't got balls, <laughs> then God bless you. God bless you, everyone. <laughs> uh, thank you so much and good night.